0: Chapter two of the autobiography of a super tramp by William H Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter two youth life was very irksome to me at this period. Being led to chapel morning and evening on Sundays and led back. Having the mortification of seeing other boys of the same age enjoying their liberty. The only way to alter these conditions was to apply for work this was soon done hiring myself out to an ironmonger at a weekly wage of five shillings the old people now began to take a pride in me advising me to study my master's interests and without doubt succeed to his business at his decease my brother two years my senior who as i have said before was odd in his behaviour took example by me and succeeded in being employed at a large clothing establishment it was there and then that he began and finished his life's work in half a day having been sent to the dock with a large parcel valued at two pounds ten shillings he found on arrival that the betsy jane was moored in the middle of the dock my brother seeing this and not being blessed with inventive faculties placed the parcel on the quay and returned to his master naturally the shopkeeper thought it was safely delivered until the captain of the betsy jane coming straight from his ship entered the shop to make inquiries about his goods my brother having a clear conscience explained matters in his simple way to the open-eyed astonishment of his hearers the result was a summary dismissal and a letter to my grandfather requesting him to make good the loss of the parcel which was duly done my grandfather being extremely afraid of the law The old people would never admit that my brother was different from other boys although it was apparent not only to grown folk but to the smallest child in the street some days before the affair just mentioned my grandmother having to answer the door ordered my brother to watch some fish which was being prepared for dinner when she returned the cat was enjoying a good meal under the sofa to the old lady's cry of francis did i not tell you to watch the fish my brother answered truthfully for he always told the truth and did what he was told so i did grandmother and the cat took it if she had explained to him properly why she wanted the fish watched at the same time making special mention of a cat's partiality for fish no doubt he would have watched to better purpose nothing could have happened better than this instance of the loss of the ship's goods to undeceive my grandfather as to my brother's state of mind a sudden blaze of intelligence broke in on the old man's mind which was not of the most brilliant kind lydia said he to his wife there's something wrong with the boy to think he did not have sense enough to shout ship ahoy i ventured to say to show my cleverness that there might have been several ships in the middle of the dock and they would have all answered to ship ahoy would it not have been better to cry betsy jane ahoy the old man paused thunderstruck avast there he cried drop anchor will you have more pudding in our street almost every woman had someone connected with the sea and it was my grandfather's pleasure by day to parade the street and inform the women as to what winds and tides were favourable to their husbands or sons one woman had a husband that had sailed away in a bark which was never sighted or hailed after leaving port and was now three months overdue my grandfather feared to meet this sailor's wife and would often peep around his door, trying to escape consultation from her, knowing well his own forebodings as to the fate of the bark and her crew. I have mentioned Dave, who was a very studious lad, and who became my one companion and the sharer of my dreams. He had received an old copy of Byron, and we soon became fascinated by the personality of that poet. His influence on Dave was so great, that it was publicly shown to all the boys and girls in the chapel's schoolroom where we had gathered for childish games under the supervision of the elders while we were playing kiss in the ring singing and laughing dancing with merriment when small white teeth red lips and bright eyes were all the rage dave would lean his figure not so tall as he would like it against a pillar biting his lips and frowning at our merrymaking none but myself knew that his troubles and sorrows were purely imaginary but they certainly succeeded in causing some sensation even the notice of the elders being drawn to him some time after this we had more trouble with dave when we went for a day's trip to the seaside on this occasion he took his own path across the sands a solitary figure with his head bowed and when we called him he would not heed us that night when it was time to return dave stood perilously near the edge of the pier gazing with melancholy eyes on the water several women hastened towards him and drawing him gently away inquired as to his trouble on which david stood erect was motionless frowned bit his lip and stalked away into the darkness without uttering a word he came back in time to catch the boat dave soon got tired of these doings but the influence of byron was more lasting on me it was the first time for me to read verse with enjoyment i read shelley marlowe and shakespeare indifferent to wordsworth but giving him since the attention of wiser days my grandmother had only read one novel in her life called the children of the abbey and had been severely punished by her mother for doing so she therefore continually warned me against reading such works but strongly recommended milton's paradise lost and young's night thoughts her favorite quotation being from the latter procrastination is the thief of time it pleased her to tears when a friend saw a likeness between john bunyan and myself and she regretted that she saw no prospect of ever tracing a resemblance between our hearts i was now bound apprentice to the picture-frame trade but owing to my passion for reading could not apply myself sufficiently to that business so as to become a good workman the fact of the matter was that i was reading deep into the night and having to be up early for work was encroaching on nature's allowance of sleep owing to being young and conceited and not being satisfied at having knowledge concealed i showed at this time some parts that made older and wiser people of both sexes prophesy good results in manhood having no knowledge of metre and very little of harmony i composed and caused to be printed a poem describing a storm at night which a young friend recited at a mutual improvement class making after mention of the author's name when i was publicly congratulated some time after this i having surreptitiously visited the playhouse on more than one occasion boldly read out an article to the same class entitled in defence of the stage this daring performance caused some commotion among the full-grown sheep who thought they detected a wolf in lamb's clothing but the young lamb my companions bleated for pride and joy my grandmother was told of this and as she did not take the trouble to inquire the subject of my address and it was not told unto her she was satisfied to know that i had surprised several members of the congregation and in particular a deacon for whom she had great respect it has always been a wonder to me where my conversational power has gone at the present time i cannot impress the most ordinary men it must be through associating so many years with companions uncongenial to my taste a preference for indulging in my own thoughts and forcing myself to comment on subjects uninteresting to me i remember at one time being in a lodging-house where one man stood out as an authority on books disease politics military tactics and more especially the meaning and right pronunciation of words several times different men have said to me that man is a scholar he is not an ignoramus as the likes of you and me it was a secret satisfaction to know that this gentleman to whom they referred often paid the compliment of knowing more than himself by asking information which on my part was imparted with much secrecy as i did not wish to appear in any way superior to those with whom i was forced by circumstances to associate yet in those happy days of my apprenticeship i rarely visited a house but what a second invitation was assured although a painful shyness marred the beginning we enjoyed ourselves so much one evening at a friend's house where the lady had been all day indisposed that her husband said on leaving my wife has been laughed out of her sickness and you have certainly saved me an item on the doctor's bill instead of this giving more confidence and overcoming my shyness when i received from them an invitation for a second party i became so overpowered at the thought of what would be expected of me that for the life of me i could not accept it knowing i would have made an ass of myself it is not altogether shyness that now makes me unsuccessful in company sometimes it is a state of mind that is three parts meditation that will not free the thoughts until their attendant trains are prepared to follow them again having heard so much slang my thoughts often clothe themselves in that stuff from their first nakedness that being the case shame and confusion in good company make me take so long to undress and clothe them better in more seemly garments that other people grow tired of waiting and take upon themselves the honour of entertainers it was in the second year of my apprenticeship that i met a young woman living in a small village adjoining this town of my birth who was very clever a great reader of fine literature and it was to her hands after i had enjoyed her conversation on several occasions that i submitted a small composition of my own her encouragement at that early time has been the star on which these eyes have seldom closed by which i have successfully navigated the deeps of misery pushing aside drink my first officer who many a day and many a night endeavoured to founder me she was the first to recognise in my spirit something different from mere cleverness something she had seen and recognised in her books but had never before met in a living person I had known her only six months when she died, but her words of encouragement have been ringing in my ears ever since they were uttered. My grandfather had also died, a straightforward, honest, simple man, with a mortal dread of being in debt, and always well prepared to pay his rates and taxes. He had a horror of being a principal in the police courts, but appeared there three times for no offense of his own. Called upon once to examine a rope supposed to be stolen from a ship, he proved the rope was of the land indifferent from a ship's rope discharge of the prisoner on another occasion sunday morning and grandfather being in bed a detective disguised as a poor working man that was almost dying for a drink wheedled the old man's daughter to sell him some liquor over the back wall the result being a summons for supplying drink during closed hours followed by a heavy fine which was at once paid the third time was at my trial with five other desperadoes as described in the preceding chapter there was nothing false about this man and he had the heart of a lion he claimed to have beaten the champion of portsmouth but undoubtedly this was some drunken fellow who had taken on himself this much coveted title grandfather's pet yarn which i have heard him recount a hundred times took place in a public-house where a thin partition divided him from another person who was loudly extolling himself to the admiration of others grandfather allowed this man to continue for some time but at last losing patience he looked around the partition and cried in a stern voice avast there captain jones i knew thee when thou wert glad to eat barley bread without butter captain jones looked disconcerted at this remark and then quickly putting his own head around the partition whispered hush hush captain davies there's nothing like making one's self look big in a strange place i was now in the last year of my apprenticeship and was running a bit wild taking no interest in my trade and determined in a few months to throw off all restraint when my time had expired my master wanted me to continue working for him which i did for a short time and for one who had not yet reached his twenty-first year received a very fair wage in three or four months i found some excuse for leaving i was eager to start for the new world but my grandmother would not on any account supply money for that purpose so i applied for work at bristol was accepted and worked there six months being then called home through the death of the good old lady the license indulged in during these six months being in a strange town and unknown was sufficient to wreck the brains and health of any man beyond recovery and for the time being deadened of all literary ambition it could not have continued this way much longer and no doubt it was her death that prevented the collapse of my life by a change of circumstances her estate was in the hands of a trustee and its profits were to be divided weekly among her three grandchildren she was a good old soul and i have lived long enough to cherish every hair of her head she was a baptist stoutly opposed to other creeds called the stage the devil's playground abhorred second marriages and thought as much of me in life as i think of her in death many of the little kindnesses that were given to her in life were done more out of a sense of duty than from the gratitude of which she was so worthy but the good old soul died without suspecting any other than gratitude mine is the shame and sorrow that she did not receive it as i am even now thirteen years after her death living on her bounty when my grandmother died i joined home with mother and her second family but after a month or two of restlessness i sought the trustee got an advance from him of some fifteen pounds and full of hope and expectation Embarked for America. End of chapter two recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.